This is Aaron Meza, and you're listening to Talking Schmidt. Big Schmitty Nights. Hey, hey, hey. Talking Schmidt. I'm already not watching. It's cool. Like, tonight is the night. Damn, this is like the coolest thing I'm ever going to do. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was fun. What do you mean? Well, Christian Fletcher's younger brother. Fuck the Dodgers. Oh, big dog's in. What do you think, Dolan? Beyond Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. Alpha macaroni. Most of these guys, their opinion don't matter. Talking Schmidt, right? It's skateboarding. I remember that. Talking Schmidt. What are Yun's doing? Holy shit. Skateboarding homies. No, Schmidt, you can't jump in. What is happening? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Wi-Fi check one, Wi-Fi check two. Were you on stage with the uh, Sodi party? Yeah, yeah. How's uh, that? It was fun. Like that was probably only the second. I went to Solomon's. That was the first one I went to. Was Solomon's. Me too. With the <clears> mini <throat> ramp. Yeah, I actually yeah. Bro- I broke my ankle on that mini ramp like a week later. Oh, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, we heard Mike. I did. I swear, okay, I, unless I have this wrong. Okay, that okay. There's that kind of famous photo of everybody out at Wall. It's at Wallenberg, but it's like, it's like that famous posse photo of mm. like Carol at Bryce shots. Like Carol, Ben Sanchez, York, maybe Huff. Yeah, you know, that's kind of famous photo. Maybe Chico. Oh, yeah, Chico, maybe Shamil, Marcus, or something. Mm-hmm. So that day we were at, we all were at Wallenberg that day. Mike York's holding my camera, like looking through the camera. And uh, I remember Bryce, like, let's get a quick photo of everybody. You know what I mean? For, and I swear that's, I think that day is the same, that night was the Sodi party, I feel like. Oh, really? And I feel like Mike might have heard about being Sodi either that day or just the day before. I'm almost positive. So they didn't announce it beforehand. They I mean, kind of surprised him. Where? I mean, I think they just called him up. Yeah, and right. I think Greg Hunterson was like, "Dude, I think Carol just won Skate of the Year. I heard he won. I heard he won." And uh, so we all, we all, I think we might have even known that day. We all went to Wallenberg, and I think we might have known already that he won. And uh, yeah, we just went there that night. He got. I mean, Mike was just starting to drink a little bit and he was like very nervous in front of a crowd so i think he he was his strategy was just get hammered and they just started calling everybody's name to come on stage but i remember i was up there and uh i was like dude i was like there was like 30 of us already on there i was like dude you gotta call I was like call your girl her name was aaron actually at the time i was like dude, i was like you gotta say aaron you got i think he kept saying me i think he was think, think he was drunk i think he thought i was talking about myself but I was like, bring Aaron up here. Your girlfriend's still on the crowd. You got like everybody else up here. You better call her name, dude. You gotta get in trouble. I remember that. And I remember actually it was it was I was actually super hyped. I was just starting to know Jake that year, actually. Mm. And uh he just did one of his like off the off the cuff speeches. He's like, I don't care who you are. And he's, he named a few names and he named my name. He's like, Mesa. And I was so like, it made me feel so good. I, you know how Jake had that thing where like he can make you feel like, yeah, top of the world or like the lowest. Of the lowest. At that time, it was all it was all highs for me. At that time, because it was still like I was still like just getting to know him. But like I was just so like flattered. He even like threw my name out there like in his little intro speech. Sick. Yeah, it was probably like kind of a diss too. But I was just so stoked. Like, whoa, this dude's rad. When you started skating with all the, you know, you're filming all the big dogs. Are you, do you ever revisit some of the, 
you know, the library banks or any of these old spots? Like, did like did you, you ever see what? anything go down that was phenomenal at a spot that you never saw anything good? I mean, quads, right? Quads? I don't know if I ever went there to film, to be honest. We went uh, there as quads came a little bit later even for us, like maybe the tail end of high school. Okay. I remember people started going back there, but I don't think it was really hard to get anybody to leave the city, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. I was like, they would like South city was like out of state, like to them. They didn't love them. didn't have cars. Even if I wanted to drive, they're kind of like, ah, just a skate here. Like it's better, which was, I mean, the spots were, I mean, you want to take them to some terrible ledge in like Belmont or like, <laughs> or they have brown marble right there. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, but, yeah. There, but one thing like a little bit later, I think I took, I'm pretty positive. I took Jehovah to the pyramids, the library banks. Oh, really? With, with Salva with Greg and, and I actually also took him to the San Bruno banks. So I was talking about the pyrolators and he did some stuff there. That was just like, I swear, I think Chihuahua, I, I might have photos at Thrasher or here somewhere. Uh. Like something you would never think of. He might've aired over the top of the pyramid, like bank to bank. Okay. Something crazy. Phil did that. And, and McKinney skated it really good too. Yeah. Like I was tripping. Cause I didn't know those dudes yet when I went there for the first time. So we were just like, you know, getting our little carves or whatever. Yeah. And then they were doing transfers and I was like, I mean, what? it was hard to get speed at that spot. Like it was yep. really, there was a big bench in the way. There was this boys club contest, but my friends, Dave and Alberto, they went to the, they just had a hunch. They went to, they followed people to the library banks and Fedge and Tommy and them skated the banks. Ooh something you would never realize, but there was a hip because Tommy, like they're like, dude, Tommy would come from the street, Ollie up the curb and hit this hip. And at that, that line to us, even though now it'd be so obvious, but we were just like, Whoa, like he Ollie first. Like that's so quick. Even though it was probably like eight feet or longer. Like yeah. we, we couldn't believe that hit that. Like, you know, we were just, you know, you're just blown away when you see people's lines that are like really not escape. We were just like, Whoa. And it's funny. My friend Chad, who lived in that neighborhood, he was like dude i met this dude there he he like works for thrasher or something we're like what like he gave me a thrasher magazine it was keith cocker shout out <laughs> he's, he's like they're like his name was keith and he met us there like he was cool to us and he gave us a magazine and like so there's like little things like that like went like a long way like you know those are like big big time moments for us you know at the time was the ftc video did they premiere it at lake merced that was the second one we, we did a premiere at the boathouse. Was that sick? <laughs> it was sick. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was like small time, but like, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was fun. My parents actually came. I think that was the first time my parents were kind of like, oh, I think we kind of, we sort of understand what you're doing here, I, I guess. You know what I mean? It kind of made a little bit more sense to them. I was still like in college at that time. So I was kind of juggling stuff, but I think for them to see everybody like having a good time and clapping and stuff when girl starts is that kind of like like how how much of you moving down south is like premeditated versus like like were you thinking about that or was it like girls no. down there we gotta go i mean it took a while because i mean it took years it took like it was probably like four years after girls started that people started chica moved down first that's what it was it was like everybody started going mm. and um because girl for a long time was like, I don't know, maybe 40% San Francisco, Oakland people. And then like the rest, 60% was all down in LA. Mm -hmm. we, we would like, at the time you could fly Southwest super cheap, Oakland or Burbank. 
and like under a hundred bucks, I swear a round trip or something. So they would get us tickets every now and then we'd come down film where they'd be working on skits and stuff. So that was always fun. So there was like a lot of back and forth, but then Chico, uh, got a girlfriend down here and or, or, or maybe from up there, but they moved down to LA and so people were starting to kind of slowly migrate. Mike moved down there. Just a lot of us were going down there a lot. And I was like staying at either we stay at Eric's house a lot right off Melrose. Eric and Barra had a house together. Oh. So we'd stay there. It was it was getting to the point where like I was down here for like three weeks out of the month and I'd go home for like a month and then come back, come right back and be down here for a while towards the tail end of college, sort of. And then I just finally I was just staying with people for a long time. I was trying to get a house with Scott and Dimitri. And then I eventually just got like Rick was like, Hey, if you get an apartment here, we'll pay like half your rent or something or whatever it was, you know? So that's like what I ended up doing. I got a place right across the street. It was like a house with Chico, uh, Carol, and I think Tony Ferguson at the time. Mm. We all lived in this one kind of neighborhood. So, yeah. But I mean, when I was younger, I was like, I'll never live in LA. <laughs> yeah. Care, like, they can offer me a movie deal or something. You know, then event, like you moved down there just because like Carol and Chico moved down. <laughs> your, your, your big boundaries change a little bit as you get older, I guess. Yeah, everything changes. It's crazy. But like eventually you're in Burbank, right? Yeah, that's quite a bit later, though. That's I mean, the outskirts. So it feels like like your like zone. It's like, it's like living in South. It's, yeah. It's like I'm right over the hill. Like if you took went over the Hollywood sign. Yep. And went over the backside of it like I live right there, basically. But when you when you move down there, how long is it before you start like going into the office and stuff? Well, at that time, I was just strictly filming. So we would go to the offices to drop off tapes and digitize stuff. So I was just, I came down, I was working for girl. I graduated college. I was doing that back and forth thing. Uh, went like on a DC, went on those DC Europe trips. Like I missed my college graduation to go on like that DC tour. The super oh. tour, they called it. Yeah. My first time to Europe. Wow. Like, yeah. Like Rick hooked. He was like, we gotta, we gotta make a video of bring Aaron, bring Aaron. He'll come. Like, you know, so that was my first time to Europe. It was like Ken Block. <laughs> and, like, no Ron way. Guys. Yeah. It was sick though. I mean, this is like, this is when DC was like Huff, Scott, Rudy. Oh. It was like that. Mike Carroll just got on. Oh, okay. So it was that kind of time. And I was, I had, I had been on some girl tours across the U S and I was like hyped on that. We went to Canada a couple of times, Vancouver. Sick. So I was like itching to get to like, to Europe. I remember Scott went on DC tour to Australia and they're like, there's this big European tour. And I heard Rick telling them like, they should bring you. I was like really close to Scott at that time. And, uh, I was like so excited. So like I was, I never went to those Europe contests. But I got, so I got to go on this. This is probably like 96 or 97. Yeah. Yeah. So I was hyped on that. And then, uh, yeah, that's the era of just going back and forth. So when I finally came down to, to graduate college and started coming here a lot, I was just getting paid like as a, as a filmer. So I, didn't, I wasn't in the, I wasn't doing, there was no Crail tab at that time or anything. You know what I mean? Uh huh. And that led up to me going to after the chocolate tour video came out right after that i started working for skateboarder right yeah okay how did that come about somebody reached out to you or yeah, did you that was through ballard oh 
Ballard actually that same street I lived on across from Carol and Chico, like he lived down the street. Ah. Uh-huh. And he was just starting to do skateboarder with Sean Mortimer. And then Sean Mortimer left after like Ballard was like at the time he was he's a bit older than us, so he was like coming he would go skate with us and shoot photos, but he would come to me. I think I was doing stuff for slap a little bit already. <clears throat> just occasionally like, I was really close with Lance. And so shot a couple of photos, would interview some people, wrote a couple of things. And I liked magazines a lot. And I was kind of like, Oh, I would like to do something like this. I was kind of getting bored of filming to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I was close with Ballard and he was show me layouts. Like, what do you think of this? What do you, you know, and for some reason he trusted me in that way. And, uh, Sean Mortimer, after one issue, he he uh, he went off. He quit to go do Tony Hawk's book. I think is what happened. Oh, uh, okay. And he's like, "Hey, Mortimer, just quit. I want you to apply for the editor position." Like, I was like, I was like, honestly, I was like, right away in my head, I was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll I'm down to do that," you know. And so that's what I, you know, that's what I did for a few years after that. Did so I, you... went in, I, I had to go to down and interview with some some couple like publisher people at the like surfer magazine building and like San Juan Capistrano down in Dana. So yeah, that was like my life after that. And yeah, it was a trip. Did you have any interesting conversations with Jake in that time? I'm sure he called me and was like, good luck. Well, I don't know. I can't remember, you know, he Skateboarder was always, Mag, what are you doing? Mesa? Yeah, yeah, Just something. Yeah. I'm sure there was something like that. Cause uh, we were pretty, we were pretty cool. You know, I don't know. It was like close with Jake is different than being close with a lot of people, but we we were like in contact all the way at that time. He would actually come, he would call me to come skate the ramp every now and then, which is pretty weird. He just called me, come to the ramp today at three. Like, no way. All right. I, mean, I can drop in and do like some grinds. If Roll that. in, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was that role. This was the ramp by Thrasher, though, not the Widowmaker. Yeah, the one yeah, across yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, sometimes I would show up and be like Joey, John. It'd be like a heavy, pretty heavy session. I think that's why he'd call me he'd be like, oh, Aaron will dig this. You know, it was like sometimes he, he would make some really sweet gestures to me like that, where I felt like it felt like an honor almost. And one time I can't quite remember. I swear, I don't know. It might have been Jeff Grosso there one time. Oh, really? I can't remember. Somebody like a vert 80s vert legend where I was just like, dude, this is insane. I remember Coco being there. Mm. I didn't really know those guys at that time, to be honest. They were kind of like a different part of the city, you know? Like, I respected them, obviously, but just didn't really kick it with them like that. But Yeah, they had Friday. It was like every Friday there was a session after work, and once that got rolling, there was was some heated sessions. Yeah. I remember that was kind of when I started, like, dipping in a little bit and being like, oh, shit, you know, like Phil had just got on Think, and Think was right across the street, and Fish would go skate after work and that kind of stuff, and I was like, holy shit, you know, I think I saw Bob go in there, but we didn't even go in, like, we're like, we're not not cool enough, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it probably happened, like, I probably went up there three or four times at the most, but Mm. over, like, a year or two, but... um. Mm. Yeah, he was just one of those dudes who would just call me up from time to time. So he even came by the skateboarder once or twice when we were like on Wilshire and he would call me every now and then and like try to like, you know, give me like some kind of tough love. Like, like why'd you mention Thrasher? He's like, I know you love the mag, but dude, never mention the competition, dude. Like never get <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, he actually I, I interviewed him for skateboarder. Oh. Huh. 
and he did an inter- like a one page interview thing of him just going off like we did like an interview issue and i gave him like i was like i want just like somebody interesting like i think i can get jake to do i remember dave carney was like i can't believe he let you do that interview i was like i mean and they ran out yeah yeah i ran it yeah yeah for sure for sure right and he was just like he's like i don't only do this for you Aaron. like i, I won't do this for any other magazine like you know what i mean which is like tra- was he gonna do for trans water big we were, we were fairly neutral in a way because i don't know yeah, it was different for sure than Transworld. Transworld yeah, was yeah. just like, like no. and like to be honest, um, like I didn't like the original skateboarder is so b- before my time. Like mm. I, I was aware of it and I knew people had this like affinity for it, but like for me, like I wasn't hung up on like it's gotta be like the old skateboarder for better or for worse. Like I just didn't it was just I wasn't around for it. So I, I didn't I didn't have that like hanging over my head so i could just kind of do whatever you know mm. I, w- I wasn't like so hung up on like i gotta make it like how it used to be because i didn't know how it was you know so i don't know maybe that i don't know if it being skateboarder i don't know if he was like this much against me a skateboarder but i kind of like i don't know i kind of separated the two eras pretty pretty much yeah you want to take a quick piss break if you want to i'm okay yeah I'll, i'm down yeah I'll <laughs> Hey, I got so much magic on my mind that I refuse to lose. This week, I have a new case of the Magic Mind Elixirs. Do more, stress less, focus as much as the next. That's right, kids. I'm still on this stuff, and I'm going to take my daily shot right here. Like I keep telling you guys, this stuff's been a part of my daily regiment for over a month now. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm being more productive. I definitely stay focused. I'm keeping my wife healthy when she's sick in the other room. I'm taking the dog all over the place, feeding it, you know. This is the focus potion that all of Silicon Valley is talking about. Magic Mind was designed for a long-term boost in energy, cognition, and stress management. It's not just a fleeting charge-up. You'll start to feel the full effects after taking it consistently for five days with continued improvement through day 10. As you all should know by now, unless this is your first time listening to the podcast, January, the entire month, the good people at Magic Mind have come up with a special. For the entire month of January, you can get one month free of these Magic Mind elixirs when you subscribe for three months. Go to magicmind.com forward slash Jan Schmidt. And with my code Schmidt20, you'll get an extra 20% off, which gets your grand total to a whopping 75% off. Again, this only lasts until the end of January, so we're running out of time. Hurry up before it goes away. That's magicmind.com forward slash Jan Schmidt with the code Schmidt20. Get yours today and be prepared to have your mind on some magic and some magic on your mind. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I don't think so. Winner, winner, sheen dinner. All right, and now... We have a winner. I almost forgot. I was so excited from the Niners winning and going to the NFC Championship next week. 
Bang Bang Niner Gang. According to Keith Meek, who is the official judge for this F-bomb contest, the correct answer was fucking 168. Is that, is that real? And none of you fuckers could get it. So we're going with the closest. Drumroll please, the winner of the complete slasher skateboard from Santa Cruz Skateboards is... Parker, excuse my French, cochonnet. Email me your address and we'll get it out to you ASAP. Thank you to all that played. And uh, I got another F-bomb contest coming here in a few episodes because I just did an interview with a guy that might have beat Keith Meek. Winner.com. Yo, yo, yo. SFC, what's up? Family? Dude, I'm so fucking hyped right now. It's insane. <laughs> Let's get it. This is Nasty Nick, and you're listening to Talking Smith. God damn it. Yeah, the Crail Couch uh, origin story. How does that go? How does that, like, all come to bed? Is it just, like, we need a segment? And, like, how do you start? How do you put that together? That was, yeah, that was, like, born out of... I mean, at that time, I was like, all right, I have to come up with all this stuff. There was no, like, let's have a meeting to talk about, con- you know, we were just, like, doing it. Like, there's no, not a lot of thought going in. Try something. Uh, it doesn't really work. Or just figure stuff out. And, I mean, Curl Tap, I mean, from the time I started working there, like, the internet is kind of, like, rapidly changing, too. So, it's, like, at first, you can just put, like, a little megapixel video up. Like, you can, you know, I mean, you're kind of, like stuck on like oh we can use our first ones are like (laughs) i think less than 320 maybe 160. dude seriously so like stuff like that 240 videos 240p or whatever it was like a lot of it's kind of based off of that but i do remember at one point i actually was in a different office i was like we were in cubicles and um rudy johnson was telling me the story of him convincing his wife but his then girlfriend back in the 80s to drop in on a mini ramp and like rudy can tell these really like funny cool stories um and he just told this whole story about getting his wife to his wife pam back in the days like when they're in high school to drop he's like i was telling her like dude if you do this you're gonna be like one of five chicks who can do this in the whole world (laughs) just the way he was telling this story and i I was just like oh man i like i should have filmed that like i remember just thinking like dude i should have filmed that like that would have been amazing like and i remember just thinking like oh i should start filming these guys and then i actually moved into they they actually it was a kitchen and they that was like kind of not being used and they converted that into an office they gave me that office it was like just much bigger and they just threw this couch in there that used to be in Rick's office right across the way. And I think it was Lee Smith. I did the first one with, even without a lav mic, I just, it was like set up so perfectly where I could just be sat at my desk, have the camera just right yeah. there and pointed at the dude. And it just worked out. I eventually got a lav and I don't know what, I don't know. Like Lee Smith first one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. That's I, sick. Yeah. Or you know what? I might have done something else in a different interview. I might have interviewed, I swear, I might have interviewed like Barra and Costin because the game of skate thing was just starting to happen. Oh. And I would just ask them some questions about it. Like maybe, again, just with no love, but that kind of same setup. 
And I think it, I just, the format was just based off of like, I just want to be able to quick cut. I don't care if it's jump cutty and I don't want to hear my voice. I just want to put uh title cards up. And right. I, had, I had used that song recently for like four star did like an art show. And I did like a time-lapse of uh, Mark and Brian doing a painting. And I used that song. I made a time-lapse video. Yeah. And I just used that song um, to cut the time-lapse to. And I remember it had like a real finite ending that I like. So I was just like, I remember that song just had a good feeling. And I think I could loop it to where we don't hear the lyrics and still have this kind of crescendo thing at the end that I liked. Uh-huh. Like they, I don't know if you remember, they all kind of ended with like the, the song yeah. would kind of actually kick in. funny feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I'll just use that song. I, I already, it already kind of worked in this art show format. So, so did know. you use that the very first one? Mm. And then I think, I think once it was not the Bear and Eric thing, but once it was called the Krell Couch, I, yeah, I think I'm pretty positive it was stayed that way. No, it just stayed that way the whole time, yeah. And then once I had the timeline, I remember at one point I got pretty official with it. I was like, dude, I could, I could, if they came in early enough, I could shoot one and probably post it that night if I had to, you know, or that by by five o'clock, because I had the, I would just copy and paste the previous uh, timeline and. I could just kind of work it out to where I would find my ending and just cut it all and just place the questions in and just like, I would just have to trim a frame here, a frame there. Okay. I, I have to loop the song one more, one more measure. And then I would have to like, I'm either like 30 frames short or 30 frames over. So I just have to go into each shot and like frame off here, frame off here, frame off there, frame there until it kind of just lines up. And I was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Dude. So I could get I could at one point I was like they would kind of come and go and I, I was really like not concerned with like every Thursday is this. I was kind of like anti that. Like sometimes I would have like three in a week and then none and then two one week and then and they eventually slowed down quite a bit. But I was like as soon as somebody came in and then coincidentally, like right when I started doing them, we had like a chocolate team meeting or something, or not a team meeting, but like, hey, let's watch our footage for oh. For the video or something for pretty sweet like let's get together and watch what everybody has so i was just grabbing people like come in come in come in come in you know and it was all also based off of like a lot of people would come to girl back then so i would just they just i didn't have to go to them they would just come to girl so i just be like here hop in here real fast you know yeah and eventually people would kind of like hey you want to come down and do one they're like sure i'm down let's do it like you know was there something like that that <clears throat> kind of inspired you or did like, was there something else, like somewhere, like GQ doing something similar? No, nah, I don't think there was a lot of that kind of stuff back then, really. I don't think I know there, Burn I Dog mean, loves it. It's, I mean, it is just sometimes people will be like, dude, somebody's biting, biting the curl couch. But I was like, it's just an interview. Like, I don't know if you can fight it. Like, yeah. it's, it's not a format you can really own because I'm just interviewing somebody on camera. That's a clearly existed before. Yeah, but the quick cuts, like the question and answer with the looping song and then yeah, the ending, ba-boom, you know, like that yeah, that works. I mean, it's kind of the same format you use for the mini top five, right? Yeah, that came after, I think. Roger Bagley helped me do that one, though, where he might, I think I might have gave him the song and he looped it. But I was like, hey, we should do video versions of top fives. And he kind of just <clears throat> went and did one with Daniel Castillo. And then I would just, he would be out. He's like, hey, I'm out with Brophy. What do you got for him? I'll try to do a top five. And I'll be like, oh, ask him top five, uh, Australian skaters, whatever. You know what I mean? 
Right. Or he would just come back like, hey, I was with this dude. I just got one. And I'm like, oh, cool. And was Spike pretty much hands-off? Like, was he only involved when it was the big production videos, or would you see him around from time to time? I mean, mainly for the skits of the videos, video meetings. He'd come in from time to time for sure, um, but not a ton. I mean, he might even go like a year without coming to girl, you know? Well, what was your favorite skit that you got to work on? I mean, I was around for the mouse one. That was super fun. Actually, the first, the first time I met Spike was <clears throat> when they were filming the intro for Goldfish in the city with Sheffy skating around the hills. Like, I was driving around. He would, like, be in the back of my Bronco 2, 86 Bronco 2. Yeah. And, uh, I would drive, and he would film. We found the... Uh, he wanted to jump the car really bad. Were you there when they jumped the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, it was two days. I, I wasn't there the first day. And then the second day, I went to met up with him. And it was me, Mike, Spike, and Rick. At FT, we, we met up at FTC. And then we just went out for the day. And that was the first time I think I've seen like the Yashika T4. And they shot like the, Everyone the, had the video. Camera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He they were just like, yeah, we're filming this skit. And they kind of explained the idea. And I was like, oh, amazing. This is cool. We were just cruising around. Oh, so anyways, he was like, I want to jump the car. And we were like, oh, Devonta, he for sure knows where, like, and sure enough, he was like, go to, like, Lake Street and, like, 30th or whatever, and, like, streets, like, he knew exactly where it was, like, where to go. Because How sick. Which I thought was pretty rad that he would know of all people. The one where, um, who is it? One of the Wilson brothers, and he's, like, the stunt double. Yeah. Well, it's, like, Mike talking to him, yeah, and he's, yeah. like, oh, the, that one is that so one classic. Awesome. That was I was there for that one. I was there for yeah. I mean, obviously, a fully flared intro. Mm. Oh, but yeah, right. The, the Cairo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that <laughs> stuff. I mean, it was honestly like that stuff was always. I was there for the mouse intro. So those were always like really. You know, I, I went to film school and stuff. So like, I was like always super hyped to be. And to be clear, like I was just mostly, especially those early ones, just around like helping in little ways. Like it's. They just have like a little, they were super lo-fi, just like Spike with a little 16 millimeter camera or even sometimes Rick filming stuff. So it was cool. Yeah, it was fun to be around. And it's like, it just felt like very creative in a way that like maybe I wasn't all exposed to previously to mm. be around. I mean, he was, and at, you know, at the same time, he's making like a Beastie Boys video or. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I was literally be sitting at home. And some amazing video would come on, and I would look at the end and be like, Spike Jones. I'm like, no way. That was like, sick. I mean, the movies too. Like, yeah, he's, he's made some sick ones. You're like, damn, it's pretty amazing. He's a huge inspiration. Like, him winning the award, everyone was all fired up to yeah, screen yeah. grabs. I went to his one time, I went to his house and went into his closet and, and saw, saw it, took a photo with <laughs> it. was just like in his closet, like on a cubby. So good. Yeah, but we, he has this nice house like he bought like a long time ago. It's actually in the chocolate tour, some shots of it. It's like up in the Los Feliz Hills. So we would go up there for like little video meetings. Mm. And to, it was cool. Like even like the first, the day we did the mouse intro, he was working on his first movie that it actually got like production stopped before he even started shooting. But he was supposed to, there's that held in the purple crayon. It was like a famous children's book. And he was developing, like he got hired to direct that, make a movie out of that, that children's book. This is before John Malkovich. And uh, so he was like, he took us, 
it was like right where we were filming the mouse stuff. So we met there first and got Mike all dressed up in the in and out uh, costume. And uh, he took us up into the production office and he had all these storyboards of like what that movie was going to look like, which was like super amazing to see. It was like this at the time, like the super interactive thing where like the kid was like coming out of the book and I, it was like to see all that stuff at a young age was like, it was super rad. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's definitely kind of the pinnacle right there. Like when you leave, there is it, are you, have you done enough and you've got a good enough relationship with those guys that you can say I'm moving on or was it kind of like, was it tough? It was tough, but it, it went like as good as I could like hope for. So I was happy about that because I was very, I very much wanted to like not cause any like breakups in the friendship, you know? And because I was leaving to go work on some shows advice, I think it was like this, it wasn't like I was leaving to go, I don't know. Work for a competitor. Or yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So it was like... And it what, was, he went to zero? <laughs> it was pretty strange because, um, you know, I was basically leaving to work on shows for Viceland and Spike was like the creative director of that channel. So oh, my, yeah. my friends who were there like unbeknownst to spike i was talking to them like yeah well, like maybe you want to try doing some of this stuff and uh one of the women that i knew they were like an executive producer was going to launch all these shows she was like well my boss says you we have to talk to spike you have to talk tell spike first because you're leaving his other company to like work at this other place where he's working so you don't want to make it this not that i was like some big player in the whole thing by any means but like it was just like we don't want to like take somebody from his other company to come work for us you know what i mean like right so, so i actually which i probably i probably would have always called mike first but because of that i actually call, i did call spike first i was like hey i've been talking to chris and lauren who were my friends at advice at the time uh, I think they want me to work on these shows they're going to do. And I just want to let you know. And, and he was like actually super great about it, which was like, felt really awesome. You know, Lauren's King of the road, right? Yeah. She did FP later and King of the road. And like a lot of, a lot of the food shows on vice. Um, hmm. She actually helped really helped develop FP later as she was the editor early on. So she kind of helped Patrick develop that whole, she did like the Cardiel episode and, you know, Oh, wow. Yeah, she was the editor, and she really helped shape it into, like, a more historical thing. With I'm sure Patrick obviously did, too, but, like, and this guy, Chris Grosso, they were... I oh, yeah, I know yeah, Chris. Yeah. yeah, so those are people that I knew, and they went on to do all these other shows, and they launched a lot of, like, food stuff on that network as well. But, um, but then I... So then from there, I went and talked to Mike and just went to his house, and... I knew I just didn't want to like go into the office and be like, everybody come into the office. I got something to say. Like, I didn't want it to be like that. But you, you know? went face to face. I went to Mike's house. Yeah. Sick. And then, but then he, and I was like, I was, I think I told him like, don't tell Rick and Meg, but he told them. And then, so I didn't like, I just did it over the phone with, or they just called me like to talk like, Hey, it's all good, man. Like, we love you. You know, it was like, it was all really nice. So it was totally cool. Yeah, I mean, you're the type of dude, you're not a shady dude, like, like, everyone knows, like, what your heart is, if you're doing something, you're doing it legit, it's not like some weird thing. 
but there, I, there was a lot of people who had left coincidentally around that time so i did, it was kind of a tumultuous time so i, uh, I wanted it to be like kind of like easy as can be you know right yeah yeah yeah. we need your first impression of tim mckenney because i know you known him a long time and he was like you gotta ask Mesa, uh what made him the guy who actually cared and would check on his homies when most wouldn't give two cents you know he's like Fuck it. he's like he calls me and that matters <laughs> dude i need i need my talking schmidt man it's funny because i knew of tim for like a like another you know i don't know it's just that time where like things aren't, aren't moving around a lot and you're like connecting with people is a little bit harder in the 80s so and now another first impression with aaron Mesa. There was like this kid in San Mateo that was like little and supposedly like really good, you know what I mean? And my friends were more his age, so I think they interacted with him a little bit more. And we just heard of like, there's this kid, he's like super good, he's in San Mateo, like, but they were like, he's super hyper, like he's amazing. <laughs> and we knew who Crouch was too a little bit, right? Jason Crouch, and they were like, these, they were kind of almost like, they were like maybe two, almost two. Like even when I first met Jason, I mean, I like him and it was cool. But at first, I was like, man, he's like a lot. And, you know, it's funny. And the first couple of times I was around Tim, like went up to his house, like pick him up. He like, I think his parents were home, but he's like, dude, check these out. Like went into his mom's bedroom and like showed us these, like, like kind of like you know those like glamour shots you get like some girl you know gets like like hires like you go to one of those studios and get like weird like kind of sexy shots but anyway he was showing them to us of his mom like you know i mean they were like super i mean they weren't like nudity or anything but they were like he was like check this out check out my mom's we were just dying out i just thought that was like next level to be like some dude you kind of just met like check out these like these photos of my my mom like with a with like with like a boa on and like and I was like damn dudes put his mom out there like that but it was like super like kind of innocent and funny too though you know what I mean I'm sure he was like had a good relationship with his mom but it was just like damn. like something that something that you would just like my friends would come over hide the photos you know that he was just like here they are check it out it was so funny he he disappeared for a while. He he fell off radar, stopped skating. He was all bummed on life. And then uh, I think you called him and and somehow worked out some video with like your friend's band maybe and footage yeah. of him or something like that. Yeah, a friend that is this guy Mark Bianchi. Shout I out. Grew up skating with. He actually lived in San Mateo. He he lived off the ninety two, but he was like a really close friend of mine. Around college, we kind of like he kind of went into music. He started playing music, and he kind of went in that direction. And he actually started this band called Her Space Holiday, which I think was like a pretty decent size indie band. I didn't even realize it until like years later. Actually, I saw Crouch, I think, and he was like, "Dude, Mark's in a band. They like put records out and stuff," uh-huh. which was cool because when I the last kind of contact I had with him, he was start he was playing in a band with friends and stuff. So, but anyways, like so we kind of like reconnected here and there, and then years ago he was like hey i haven't put out a record for a long time but i want to i want to put out i'm putting something out and i want to make a video for this one song and i want to take all the old footage that we used to have just with my with danny's camera just fooling around skating the ramp and stuff then it was like all of our neighborhood friends and tim tim was in there at that time but he was like hey could you just 
Mark was like, could you just call all of them and just say, hey, you're going to be in this video just so they don't like trip out, you know? So it was kind of cool because I had like, it was like maybe five or six people I hadn't talked to like in 20 years, you know? And maybe Tim, like a little bit more, maybe his was not as long ago, but I just called him up and be like, hey, man, like, what's going on? Like, Mark's putting out a song and he wants me to use this footage. And like, Tim was like, what does he think I'm going to sue him or something? I don't get like, why are you even asking me? <laughs> and I was funny. like, I don't know. He's just trying to be safe. But we, you know, I mean, with each person I called, like, we caught up on, like, what are you up to? I'm doing this. You're doing that. Cool. That's rad. And I think Tim was like, fishing a lot and they if i have this right you might know more than me he was like i have a board but i don't did he have a long board or, say, or maybe he had a cruiser or something i can't remember what it was i never stopped skating <laughs> or, i don't know he kind of i don't know he 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 hypes it up that like i said something to yeah i maybe he had a cruiser and i was like why don't you just get a regular board then like and I guess he just went and did it. I don't know. Like it was something that like something snapped. And I think it was more him. I think it's more yeah, more him being hyped. And it wasn't like I, I wasn't like, dude, what are you doing? You gotta skate. Because like I wouldn't have came. I mean, I'd hardly skate myself. So I was just like, I mean, shit. Like just get a, another board if you want to do it. And I think he just did, it and like that was kind of the jump off on it. Mm. We love you, Tim. Yeah. I actually really enjoy I, just some of the stuff on this on on your podcast here. Like, just sometimes it's the way he like I don't know. Like, there's something about like like Jake used to have it too, where like they're so spirited in the way they say it. You just like I'll rewind it a couple of times just to hear oh. like a certain word. Like, damn, it did, like he's so like a lot happy. of emotion. Yeah. He he yeah. wears it on his sleeves. You know, yeah. he, we go out skating for fun. Like we're old. He's out of the thing for a long time he still has the i have to film the best shit ever mentality yeah, like yeah. we can't go do slappies or something he's like we're skating a curb dude i need to i'm like dude well let's just go have fun like you know yeah, and he's yeah. like i'm cursed i need to like let's go to greer i'm gonna get a switch nosebleed i'm like what? Right. <laughs> right right i mean yeah. he was really good even as a kid and then he was like better than all of us for sure and then mm -hmm. but even before he got on think i felt like he kind of went like I wasn't seeing him around that much and all of a sudden he just boom he was on think and you're like oh man like mm -hmm. cool i, think once he I kind of felt like they found him yeah yeah yeah. he's probably just like in san mateo redwood city or just skating down there because he would come to the city like and skate mark Darrow and stuff mm -hmm. and he, he kind of just went quiet on it a little bit yeah i'm sure he was always skating but just doing his own thing you better leave this shit in here don't be telling this is negative or not this is life What's going on now? Because that's what I don't really know. Like you work for Nike, but like, what's your? I mean, I mostly just I work like in the like because Nike is more like organized, like a big company. So it's like I work with the marketing department, but I'm kind of like the in-house like video. Um, I mean, my title is like video producer, or content producer. So I just help. Like we have a lot of video projects, and they didn't have anybody here to like oversee them, basically. Oh. So for the most part, I'm just like, I mean, just things I help make from time to time. But sometimes I'm like, hey, we need to hire somebody to like we have a shoe. It's all like kind of project based by like shoe release for the most part for us. So, so you're kind of like a producer, like overseeing kind of, the project, of, yeah. But in skateboarding, so we know how that could be like a gray term. But, but it like, seems like you get to go on trips occasionally too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll go on trips once in a while. I mean, not like I used to, but. It actually started because I was 
after Vice, I was doing more freelance stuff. And my friend Herschel was like, hey, it was coming up on like 10 years of step on shoe. They're like, hey, we want you to like, could you do like a pitch to make a doc for him? So I had to come up with like a pitch idea. But he was like, hey, like, we actually just need somebody to oversee all these projects because we have all this stuff coming in and there's nobody here to really like just focus on that. So that's like, instead of like just, just directing that piece, we want you just to come in and we're going to create this job for you to do. And that's kind of just how it happened. So, yeah, I just like help. Sometimes I help edit a little bit or give notes on videos that come in or help when they're more like a storytelling thing. Like it's with this collaborator, who are they? Like I help, I hire somebody to direct like a little kind of short doc piece. And I work with them on like, Hey, it's got to cover this stuff. And it's kind of all over the place. I mean, it could range from anything from like, here's some phone clips to like, here's kind of a more big shoot thing. But yeah. So is it, are you pretty much working with some of the bigger budgets that you've worked with? It's bigger budgets. I mean, I mean, when I worked at Girl and stuff, I wasn't really privy to like, uh, maybe just go do it. Yeah. I didn't know like what the budget was more or less. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's more money in a shoe company than a board company. Right. But it's not like, do whatever you want. Here's a million dollars. It's not like that. Uh-huh. It's like, here's the money for this. It's very seasonal based. So it's like, here's the money. And this is how it breaks out. We have X amount of shoes coming out. How are you going to divide that? and do what you need for photo. I mean, sometimes I have to hire a photographer too. And like, so it's like, it's a kind of a group effort, but it's like, here's the five projects for the season. We have this much money. This one's going to get this amount. This one's that amount, so on and so forth. And then we decide, okay, this is how we're going to do this video. We're going to hire this guy to film. It's his friend, have him film it, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes, you know, there's like a Europe crew too, that they're like, Hey, they're making a video in Europe. You help them get the music, you tell them like when it needs to come out. I don't know. It's kind of, it's a lot of managing to be honest and some creative stuff too, but yeah. But you give, it, it affords you the opportunity to go to Hawaii once a year. <laughs> that was maybe every, every two years. <laughs> That's my new goal is to try to go every year. I mean, we've, gone, we've gone twice, but yeah, I don't know if it's a year we got it like that. Yeah. Well, let's end with a couple mini top fives. The first one being uh, podcasts. Um, I like that Smartless podcast. I don't know if you heard that. I like when they just like bag on each other. It's like my favorite. A lot of podcasts is for me is like really predicated on if I like the the guest or not. If it's like somebody I never heard of, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I listen to that. I listen to the daily sometimes if it's like a, a topic that whatever I'm interested in little talking Schmidt here and there talking Schmidt dude. <laughs> nine club. I'll do if it's like, again, if it's like somebody that's like usually an older person that has like crosses the history that I'm like interested in WTF, same thing. Like if it's somebody that I know who it is at first, when I first found the podcast, I was really into like heavy metal podcasts. I just, the Don Dawkins interview or something. Just yeah. that like, that, that kind of goes back to like my beginning of podcasts is actually all like mostly like old metal stuff. That I was like, oh, I want to hear what they're up to now or just hear the old war stories. So it was like, a lot of them are, a lot of them aren't even around anymore, but it was like Eddie Trunk is still around, but again, it has to, it has to be somebody that crosses my timeline and like somebody that I'm interested in. But did you read I, David I, Lee Ross book? 
I read that one a long time. Yeah, the Praise from the Heat. Yeah. yeah there was, was a while where I was we were going to the library a lot just to get children's books for my kids in the beginning because you just would we would just kind of cycle through them fast. And I would go, I would read almost every autobot. I'd be some gnarly ones. I, I read like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Dude, I would read all of them. The Motley Crue one's good too. Read all the guns. And, yeah, the Motley Crue one was like actually that was like a, a long time ago, but that one was like for sure crazy page turn. Even Carol read that one. And he, he's like, I mean, Carol, I'm not putting him out there, but he don't read books. You know, he, <laughs> he, like, he was like, dude, I, I was like waking up like excited to read. You know, I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, he was like, he was a crazy Molly Crew head as a kid. He uh. like, convinced his mom to buy him. Like, I mean, he was, I mean, he's two years younger than me. So he was probably like in third or fourth grade when they were really like coming out. Right. And he, he convinced his mom to buy him a bottle of Jack Daniels just to like put just to put up on the like shelf as like as like like some decoration for the room because he was just so hyped on it. What about the Hawaii one that you were telling me about? Like it's like was it a oh, horror yeah, yeah, story yeah. or something? It was um well, I haven't listed it for a while, so I kinda of forgot. Oh, what school you went, that one. It's ah, like yeah. super local Hawaiian. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. What about um, top five concerts that you were at? I mean, I, went, I saw a Kiss concert when I was super young, like in kindergarten. We went to like when Kiss was like blowing up. With, Where? Like, my, Cal Palace? Cal Palace, yeah. Dynasty tour. I mean, honestly, like I was like five and like we like, but it was like going to the circus. Like, you know what I mean? It was just like a show. You got an older sibling? I have a brother who's like four years older. So oh. my, my mom took us to, and like some neighborhood kids to the Cal Palace but it was like the kiss mania like kiss meets the phantom like we had board games and lunch boxes so it was like it was pretty tame but it was like i couldn't i mean that was like you know it was full-on like you know the laser coming out of ace freely's guitar the blood all i mean it was just a shit i didn't probably i probably knew like three songs or something you know what i mean but it was it was that was super rad scorpions of the cow palace was probably the next concert I went to after that, that I, that that's one where I was like, Hey, I want to go to the, I was like in fifth grade and I was like, Hey, I really want to go to this concert. Like begged my mom to take me and my brother and my, our friend, Mike. Uh, and it was funny. Bon Jovi was like the opening band. I went to day on the green where Metallica played Scorpions actually headlined up. That was the summer of like the transition from heavy metal to like thrash metal, Metallica, Megadeth anthrax and all that stuff so it was kind of this we just wanted to see metallica super bad it was it was in before master of puppets hadn't even come out yet it was the summer we kind of discovered them right lightning was already out though and that was like a big ordeal to get my parents to let us go to oakland like there's this catholic family that we were friends with that had like seven kids <laughs> like like the friends our age we my mom convinced their like way older sister to take us but it was cool because like later on like discovering carol was like a metalhead like we just we we were at shows together without before, like, he was at that show you know i didn't know he did we weren't even skating yet either one of us they caught the night stalker that day too actually it was like <laughs> it's like my mom's birthday also i was like no way i saw maiden at the cow palace maiden the twisted sister he was he was at that one that's a power slave era and but that's the uh, live after death is that tour but he was there, and then I went to a Dio show at the Cow Palace, and he was he was at that one also. That's pretty sick to like discover that. That's my wife's favorite. She's like Rainbow in the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> my first club show was Anthrax at the Stone on Spraying the Disease tour. I, that was actually was definitely 
up there because it was my first club show. Like I was like, you know, I'm used to the Coliseum or the Cow Palace where it's like, they're just like a little dot on the stage. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not even in the front because I'm too little. I can't go up there. You know what I mean? So this was like the stone where it was like, dude, I'm standing right in front of them, right in front of the singer, you know, like this is crazy. I couldn't believe it. But even more so it was like, so the this band, it's like Legacy was opening. That's, they were Testament before Testament. It was called Legacy. We, I didn't know who they were, but they were a Bay Area band. So they were the opener. But before the show, dude, Scott Eden was just standing right there, like before the show. Like to me, that I, I, I didn't realize, like, oh, this is a different, like more underground thing. Like I was still used to like the huge pedestal, right? So I, I couldn't believe he was just like standing there, like no big deal. And like I went up to him, like, no way, like, ah, like I love you guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like I didn't realize, like, oh, this is a club show. This is how it is now. It's not like, going to be like super rock star now it's like they're just like normal guys in jeans whatever you know what i mean so that was that was pretty rad just to like be in a show where you're just like up front and like you know it's just so intimate you know it was like blowing my mind i was like in seventh grade i was just like wow oh, it's crazy i know we saw beastie boys at the stone it was like a licensed ill tour and oh, it really? was so like yeah. like you said you're in a small room kind of like comparatively and you're like holy shit I mean, the show before that was probably the coliseum open coliseum so it's like night and day clearly oh my god i just got a text from mckinney because i told him i was gonna interview you today and he said dude you just fucked me up heavy one let me know hold on I need two stories about Tom. That's Chessie Manini and my cousin Jeremy Castleberry. <laughs> was he cousin Jeremy? That's what he said. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, we had our friend Tom. He was my age. We went, we went to junior high together. He was he was hilarious. And then his friend Jeremy was actually a really good skater. His cousin and him. Oh really? Yeah. Was he, he lived in your city? There's San Bruno. Uh -huh. Tom was South City, but uh, Jeremy was San Bruno. A little softer down there. <laughs> hey, it wasn't soft in Redwood City, though. Because I've never done it. on what side of the community you're on, too, as you know. I want a caveat disclaimer. Redwood City is not soft. <laughs> what side of the community? Are you on the west side or the east side? Oh, we were. We, I was in San Carlos. It was as soft as it gets. It was like fucking wonderful. What side of the community? Dude, so far. Like, I was almost to the coast. You almost on Judy Becerra? <laughs> Up on 280. I was almost at 280. Yeah, you're in, a, you're in the Flintstone house. Huh? Yeah, you mentioned Carol being at uh, concerts that you were at. It's funny because I, I'm pretty positive. You you might ask him, but I my first rave I ever went to. I'm pretty sure uh, he, he was there. at. You know, and it was, he was it there. was at this like outdoor mini golf place like north of the Golden Gate Bridge. And I remember, like, it was insane. And I think I saw him and, uh, and maybe Greg sure. and Keith. They were, they were yeah. yeah, those guys were all into that. Yeah, Dude, the rave days were nuts. My roommates cool. were hell into cool it. On that one. Yeah. They were, they were so, like, you'd come to Barkadale the next day, there was, like, laying in the bushes. You're like, oh, gosh, <laughs> look at these guys. I haven't even slept yet. The last one I was thinking, I know this is tough, but, like, first things that come to mind is, like, things that you filmed. I mean, the one thing that comes to mind for sure is Henry's fakey five oh fakey flip at a bark there on that weird like ledge kind of on top of the three. Austin's back nose blunt that cover for sure. Mike, I filmed his like that kickflip nose really to nollie heel out at a bark zero. It was like a four oh one opener. He does kickflip nose really to nollie heel out, which I had never been done before, I'm sure. Another Henry line he did like uh 
make a switch no slide a switch crook it comes around the kind of corner by the stage of like a 180 nose grind 180 out and then pushes all the way to the bottom of the big three and does a kickflip no slide but like those two second last tricks were like first try after once he made the first ledge trick he did the rest of it first try which was like i mean i i, was just, I didn't know where he was going i'm just like all right just chase this dude down and he Kick from those slide fakey at that time. Like pretty much I, I filmed with him and Tim, Tim Henry was insane. I filmed like, yeah, I'm trying to think. I was there like Danny Wade did like the first high air down like close to Mexico, that first iteration where he jumped out of the helicopter. Cause I was like kind of in the DC orbit through Rick and stuff. Me, Rick and Eric, Eric was still on S at that time. But for some reason he came with us. Wait, that's not the one that Sturt sniped, is it? It is, it is that one. Oh my God, dude, yeah. that's one of the best stories of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I was at Thrasher when that happened because I remember Jake got off the phone and he was like, we're getting like, and I was like, this is insane. I remember we would, we would go to Hollywood Billiards pool hall a lot off market. Remember that spot? Uh-huh. Upstairs and Dawes Bird was working for PC at the time and he was kind of arguing with Lance about like, even though Lance had nothing to do with it, but he was just like, a high-speed employee and person. I can't believe like, we spent all that money and this guy's just selling you guys the photos and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It was kind of funny. And that's like, whatever, dude. It's like, it's going to be a great story, though. It's probably better off. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like more, you know, publicity kind of thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty funny. Oh, yeah, we went down. Like, Rick just picked us up. Like, we got to wake up early and get down there for this thing Danny's doing. I didn't even know Danny, but he was pretty sick just to see that. Um I think what else? He almost did the 900 that day, actually. Or, or, or he spun one. Whoa. It was weird because, like, we went down there. He was like, he's going to do a high air, right? So he does a high air. And then he started doing, like, some, like, you know, like a kickflip indie that was, like, whatever, 12 feet out. Or I can't remember what it was, nine, 10 feet out. And then he did the helicopter thing. And then and it's funny because there was probably like seven photographers. Every transfer photographer they had was there. So it's funny that Stuart also. <laughs> I mean. And then he kind of just, I saw him like kind of spin a one or two 900s maybe. But like, I don't know. To me, it looked kind of, I was just like, in my head, I was like, oh, he's just going to do this now. Like, no problem. But it was kind of the end of the day. It was kind of the end of the day. So he just, he just stopped. I don't know. Maybe he was just tired. Of it. But I thought for sure he was like, oh. He's just checking them off one by one, but but I don't know, he probably just he probably just spun it like I, he didn't like put it down or anything, but even when skateboarding got big, like a lot of people I were with wasn't really like doing the biggest rails i kind of was just in a different scene so it was like kind of more like intricate stuff do you get something cool with mariano more like a fully flared i filmed with guy a little bit of mouse but it, nothing got used that was mostly that was all dowling i love those videos you guys would make on the, your tours like there's a lot of good shit would come out like you know those tours where you would put them on the crail like afterwards yeah, yeah. and just be like yeah yeah, so much. I, I kind of that I kind of became more doing that more so, and then while Ty was out doing like the other videos after a while in the streets. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that was kind of fun because you just kind of it's like more like laid back, so you can kind of have more fun with it too. So, so that was cool. Did you guys ever skate the gazebo banks? 
I skated there once. It's kind of like a China Banks kind of transition, right? It was like wooden, wooden, like yeah, a, yeah. a gazebo, and it, it had a little yeah. metal coping around the top. I'm pretty sure Mike and Henry showed up there one day, and fucking yeah. McKenny always talks about that. Like those guys fucking killed that spot. Like yeah, that's fine. that's that's another spot again where I was just like, I don't know how we heard about this thing, and we just found it. I think it was, it was like Redwood a, Shores. Like, yeah, it's like on the water almost, right? Yeah. yeah you got to kind of hop around the side of it. And you could just go in circles and hit the bank, yeah. hit the bank, hit the bank. It was kind of kind of hard to skate too a little bit though, right? Yeah, yeah. Part, yeah. Yeah, it was tight. It wasn't like perfect training. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was like a little... Well, we were just doing like little kick turns on it, I'm sure, yeah. Did you ever skate Bryce's 43? We did get. I did get to skate Bryce's through Dan Parks because he knew Jim a little bit. So uh, I probably skated like two or three times. Damn, I never I was, went there. I was pretty hyped on that. And the, the vert ramp was there too, so we skated the vert a little bit. Rad. Um, we'd go to San Jose when it was like the skate park, not the, not the original one. The Kennedy warehouse? But the one that came after where it was like the, the Oh, skate like everything. Yeah, yeah, it was public street course and stuff. Mm. So that was like, yeah. I mean, we were, we were like thirsty. We wanted to skate vert ramps, but we just didn't have – that access you know there was one in san mateo i think i told you about but i don't know if you ever remembered it it was like off of like maybe third like right when you come out of the trees of burlingame and then like san mateo opens up <sighs> jesus off off to the right there some guy named bosworth had a ramp like, oh yeah 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 i you think they call that bodies yeah yeah that was hey. the first that was the first right ramp we went to we just heard about this kid who went to college but his parents were like people skated or something no way okay we were, yeah, yeah we were we were just pumping from the bottom we didn't even know like i didn't even know how to pump like i just thought like the trajectory of the ramp was going to carry me up <laughs> i was like i would get on my board and be like how come not i'm not going higher i don't get it and they were like mm. you got to, they were like you got a gyrate i didn't know. they would call it gyrating for pumping they're like you got a gyrate i didn't know i didn't i just had no clue i thought i thought it just the ramp did all the work <laughs> even though we were just like walking up as high as we could and stepping onto the board I was like, I'm just out of speed already. I, we were just so clueless. We'd go to the, and the pit early on. We would, I got to go to. Oh, did you ever see Cooksey skate there? I don't think I ever saw Cooksey. A lot of the ghost skate guys we would see there. Alcatar and his brother. And you guys all had those little red wheels. Oh, yeah. Remember the garbage that? can wheels. Dude, that was like, we were tripping. <laughs> we were just like, that place was, you know, we were just like... Like if you had regular wheels, you yeah, know, like, it was super rough. So we got so these rough. soft wheels that they were for um, putting on the bottom of garbage cans that you would wheel out. Yeah, and I think Larry maybe or Chad, one of those two guys, was like, "Dude, these would be perfect for uh, Devil's Pit." And so we right. started riding them. I was like, "Oh my god!" And they were they were red, right? Yeah, they were red. Yeah, we were like, "What are these wheels?" Like, I, mean, I think we even heard they're from garbage cans or something. We were just like, yeah, like off in the corner. Uh, they were like doing airs and backside bonus and stuff. We were just too, like, we would maybe rock and roll. The, that place was hard. Now I think skate. about like that wooden roll in, like we used to roll into. There's so many like cracks and spaces in it. Like, yeah. I mean, it was like so rough. But that's where I actually learned to like carve the corners and stuff eventually. I eventually made it to where I actually kick turn over that pipe that Mickey has that photo on. Yeah. At down the far end where mm -hmm. it's all collapsed down. That's like, a sick photo. I figured out a way to like hit the two. I was regular foot. I'm regular foot. It's like I hit the two corners and make it down there. But that's kind of where I learned how to pump a corner because you know we didn't have any. You know, where are you going to have a corner to carve around in back then? You know. Yeah.
that stuff was not around. Yeah. And then the spillway, we talked about the, I, I can't believe I missed the spillway. In oh, Seven. you didn't? Because we went to. That was I the think, first place I went to. I bought my skateboard at Go Skate and they were like, go to this spot. So I just went up there and I was like, kind of like how you described, yeah. just like a little kid in the corner going, there's people are drinking beer and smoking. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, there was a, well, we went to, well, you got to CSM Ditch early on, which but that seemed like it was so downhill it seemed like almost impossible to skate but we kind of skated that a few times and i think in my head i thought that was the spillway so uh. when, when people were like have you been to the spillway i thought that was the csm ditch off the 92 so i was like oh, oh it was that's i thought it was that but i confused them so i never actually made it so like some way at ghost skate was probably telling me to go up there but i was just like oh yeah i've already been there but uh. i had it i had it mixed up you know okay yeah yeah, there was so many, like, it seemed like back then, I mean, Sneath was completely different than it is now, but we we found that, and, like, yeah. there was this one that was in be off 280 that's, like, when you're taking the off-ramp, in between, there was, like, a half-pipe. I got a photo of Alcantar doing, like, a wall ride. Yeah, it was yeah. Like a, a, a we tried to skate that one time, too, but it was, it was so downhill also that it was yeah we couldn't deal with it but i remember you showed me that photo i couldn't believe that he was doing the wall right there yeah that was it was those guys were really good i was like damn <laughs> but, but when we first skated sneaked too like what was cool was like it was like a big kind of bowl kind of thing and then like you'd kind of go down it like a snake runner right like derby almost the way it tapered off Mm -hmm. and like that fence got put in but before that that was like the whole thing was to go like exactly like towards the, the uh golf yeah. the drive range yeah. yeah yeah that was sick so true or false you filmed this clip of phil shaw in my backyard i did you want true or false you how bad do you want that <laughs> so bad <laughs> were you there that day i want the tape no yeah but i got this i got the photo right? i think lance or somebody had a photo in slap and you're at the bottom filming yeah it was frontside nose grind uh-huh low to high they, on the pool they, mike had the venture ad japan grab yeah dude mike ripped our ramp like we used to see mike at this other ramp called mookie's in palo alto one time we were skating it and these guys climbing over the fence the other way, like coming in from some weird way. We used to just come in the side gate, but they were coming over like from the creek or something. And we're like, holy shit, it's Mike Carroll. And we're like, what? Like, I didn't really, like I knew he could skate jump ramps cause I'd seen him at Golden Gate Park. But then I like, he's doing salad grinds and the mutes. And we're like, dude, this guy rips ramp yeah. too. Cause he had a mini ramp in his backyard at one point. Oh, he did? Yeah. You remember uh, okay. that photo? It was like a spread and thrasher where Cooksey's doing like the undercoping, like three wheel thing. Yeah. So I think that ramp was close to his house, maybe. And they got that after that ramp had to get moved, they might have got it and cut it down to a mini ramp because that's, I actually never skated, but you could tell like in the HE videos and stuff, it's like really slow. It's like really slow transitions uh, because it was just a vert ramp without the vert, you know? So it had those long transitions. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was that ramp. Yeah. Well, maybe we can just say that um, the Phil Shaw documentary won't be done until you get me that clip. <laughs> I mean, that thing, I don't know. No, you it's know what? I put a feeler out because somebody at 411 might be looking through some shit. Yeah. So, so that's where you said it, it probably is, right? Yeah. I'm almost positive, yeah. 
back then it was just like a mess of like here's the tape like no sense of like making a copy or anything but you guys would come skate the ramp once in a while right you were there more than once yeah you know what's funny i went down there one time with i'm pretty sure like justin pierce and harold really they sure skated that ramp huh it's positive with dawes and maybe like ali asha oh dawes used to come down all the time yeah i think every time i went there it was with dawes yeah they had like a a center or a two-page spread of like uh liver sedge i think um maybe matt pales or or pastris there was a bunch of dudes yeah and phil had the cover yeah front side ollie that slap cover that was our backyard with the red sweater maybe i was there those are the times well dude i appreciate this man just finally made it happen yeah yeah zoom enjoy your sunday (laughs) dude bang bang niner gang (laughs) all right we'll talk to you soon okay peace later Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at TalkingSchmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout-out. Love it! This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Keep the wheels greased.